San Antonio district judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. That show open is the only time I've been called a gangster in my life. Maybe once on Twitter, someone was like, you're a gangster. I was like, dude, I appreciate that, man. I'm trying. I'm trying. I want to be a professional rapper for many of my formative years. Woo! I'm out of breath already. Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. It's episode 228 of the Anakin Florian podcast. It is 7.33 a.m. Pacific time. Ken Flo, just an absolute warrior getting up for us today. What's up, kid? I should get early. I should get up even earlier because we're supposed to be on Monday. It's my fault. Well, uh, I see your Patriots jersey. That's pissing me off even more. I know. And, uh, dude, sorry. Not, not a great day to, uh, to wear this T-shirt, but there are so many Patriots haters out there. Just legions. Yes. that, and, and they got a little ammunition at this time, right? A couple right. straight losses for uh, Team Belichick. Due to, so, due to the referees, uh, but whatever. Yeah, so... But again, you know, it is what we don't need to go down that path. You know? Yeah, yeah. Championship parade path. People don't tune in for that. So uh, a lot to get to today, right? I mean, it's amazing how some UFC shows give us a handful of things to talk about. I mean, yeah. we could do 15 minutes, quarter of an hour on Ben Rothwell and Stefan Struve, but a lot to get to with DC. We have six predictions for UFC 245. Main event challenge really coming down to the wire, which is really the way it's designed. So two UFC live events left to go, and you and Ian Parker separated by two points. A uh, lot to get to today, but I guess we will start with uh, with Jarzinho Rosenstrike in a fight that uh, was going to go to Alistair Overeem, uh, but down the stretch, late finish for Rosenstrike. 10-0 as a pro, still perfect in the UFC. You know, it, it's throwback, break-your-face-open type of power, right? I mean, Derek Lewis, I remember some of his early UFC wins against lesser competition, and it's scary shit, right? It reminds me of the early UFC days with some of the ground striking. This wasn't a ground strike, per se, but this guy has that throwback-type power. He touches you, it breaks your face open. Uh, Overeem's got a new scar, and the heavyweight division's got a new contender. You know, just because Alistair Overeem looks like he uh, ate an M80 in his mouth, had an <laughs> M80 in his mouth, oh. and it exploded, you think he <laughs> hit hard? Uh, dude, it, unbelievable kind of power. Um, I, I've never seen, or it's rare that you ever see an injury quite like that. Um, you could see early on that uh, Overeem absolutely respected the power uh, yeah. of Rosenstrike. And that you're talking about a guy who was a K1 heavyweight Grand Prix world champion. One of the best best strikers uh, to ever grace this sport, uh, and he was extremely hesitant on the feet. Uh, we, we know why he he should have been. Obvi- obviously, Overeem has been knocked out in the past, um, and uh, he was very careful in his approach. Yeah, I like the fact that he was looking for takedowns early on. I thought he should have done more damage um, with his grounded pound. Should have taken uh, better position on the ground. Wasn't able to do it. Uh, in the end, he paid for it. He was winning that fight. I thought he was uh, 
fighting a pretty smart fight for the most part against Rosenstrike. Yeah. Rosenstrike was also hesitant himself, um, you know, kind of waiting for that takedown from Overeem. That threw him off. But once he got comfortable and said, screw it, I really got to go for it, he certainly did, took advantage, and got a beautiful knockout. It really was the Junior Dos Santos win for Overeem where I felt like he made this transition and started to get patient. And obviously, he's gotten a lot of different looks, Kenny, now training in Colorado with Team Elevation and brand new striking coach and Christian Allen. I shouldn't say brand new. I think it's been two training camps now, but uh, just a willingness to get better on paper. Statistically, it's crazy. He has the highest efficiency of any striker in UFC history, the highest striking accuracy. So he's pretty effective when he does choose to engage. Obviously, he had never yeah. been in these waters before neither of these guys. I don't think Overeem had ever seen a fourth round in mixed martial arts, never mind going nearly 25 minutes. Uh, as far as the lip is concerned, you know, yeah. Robbie Lawler's got nothing on this guy in terms of lip separation with respect to ruthless Robbie Lawler. And of course, he fought with it, right? And we'll get into the stoppage and all of that because Alistair Overeem obviously was not afforded the opportunity even for a second to fight uh, with this separated lip. And I know Ken Flo had no problem with the stoppage. Uh, but uh, as far as this new scar is concerned, Ken Flo, right? I love it, right? Like, my twin brother loves the blood. I, I love the blood. I, I like it. I, <laughs> I, I think it's a, a nice part of the sport. Uh, Alistair's going to be okay. He even smiled right. in there. Uh, but this is a visual for a lot of people that's uh, it's pretty tough. Uh, what do you make of, of Overeem's uh, new scar? That's going to be a tough couple weeks for him. No I, nachos. I think, no nachos. I, I think so, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, eating anything hard is going to be tough. Um it was pretty gruesome, man. I, I think for a lot of people, they have trouble seeing things like that. That stuff doesn't mind me. It's more like the compound fractures or like, you know, right, the joints right. going the other way and it's yeah. separated. Um, but for me, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It was definitely gnarly. Uh, and for anyone who, you know, is saying, you know, like, uh, oh, basketball players are tough or this soccer players are really tough guy. Yeah. No point, point to combat sports. If you're looking for toughness and people who are looking for a way to continue fighting on, um, it was a brutal cut that actually, it looked like there was at least like two cuts, like one going diagonally and other one going. it literally looked like a bomb went off in his mouth. It, it was brutal, brutal, brutal. Yeah, slow motion replay uh, is just crazy to see the the whole sort of face change. Ripped open, and, literally yeah. ripped open in like yeah. at least two different directions. So, uh, <laughs> excuse me, Rosenstrike with immediate call out of Francis Ngannou so respectfully asked me for the microphone. You know, as many of our listeners know, uh, one of the first things Craig Borsari said to me when, when he hired me and I was going to be doing the post-fight interviews was, you, you can't relinquish the microphone of the post-fight interviews because you thereby relinquish control of the broadcast, right? You really are giving up control of the broadcast. They can cut the mic, but so, but Rosenstrike says to me, can, can I please just have that for a second? It's like, big man, yes, you can have it. And obviously yeah. he gave it back to me in, in, in a good amount of time. But uh, he wants this Francis Ngannou fight in the worst way and uh, just wants to test his chin and his power and his striking game against that monster. Power to him, man. I mean, not a lot of people using their mic time to call out, for my money, you know, the, the scariest puncher to ever grace that octagon after seeing what he did to over him i probably would have handed the mic to him too dude like what, what yeah, are you gonna he, do no no you know what i'm gonna hold on to this, this is mine huh. man. they told me to keep it bro yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> no jarzinho no bro 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 <laughs> oh man so uh, what do you think about, I, I mean, the Nganu fight, I think it has legs, and I think it's going to get added to one of these pay-per-view. That's not informed speculation, but uh, what do you think about that matchup and, and Rosen strikes readiness for it? 
I love it. Uh, again, the fact that he's calling out a, a guy like Nganu says a lot. It says a lot about his confidence, uh, how he feels he matches up against someone like uh, Francis Ngannou. Uh, we really haven't seen Rosenstrike in trouble in there. Um, and I, I think it would be a great fight to see how comfortable Francis Ngannou would be in there against someone like Rosenstrike, who's riding high on confidence, who has the striking skills, who has the knockout power, and isn't going to be afraid to trade with someone like that. So uh, I love the fight. I think it's a fight that makes sense at this point. After that win over Overeem, I like that fight a lot. So Alistair Overeem's combat sports resume is incredible. I went down a, a K1 Grand Prix 2010 rabbit hole when I was getting ready for this fight. It's just amazing what he accomplished there. Obviously, he's won major MMA titles. Dream that same year, uh, Strike Force back in 2007. He was four seconds away on the scorecards from making this a third straight win, and that would have positioned him in at least a title eliminator, right, given his name recognition and the body of work, and he really still wants that UFC title in the worst way. When you sit down with this guy, he still loves to train. He has no negative emotions with training, but um, I think that UFC title dream took a took a serious hit at 38, 39 years old. And uh, I don't know if he thought he was winning and could get on a bicycle and sit on a lead, uh, but man, he was seconds away from, from being right on that path, and now uh, it kind of all blew up. Yeah, you know, I don't know if he was utilizing the right weapons in there uh, against someone like Rosenstrike who started to press forward uh, and start to get comfortable in there. I, I would have used way more kicks to try to keep him away and use more lateral movement. In the end, he ended up getting caught. Um, it's unfortunate because Overeem is a and it does seem he's a guy who's still very motivated to try to get another shot at the belt. Um, he has shown some different looks and some improvements in his game. Um, unfortunately, wasn't able to get it done, and I'm sure we'll talk about the stoppage, but um, it, it, it's got to be hard. You know, four or five seconds left on the clock, and you're about to, you know, cruise to a win, uh, and coming away with a, with a loss like that, that, that has to be tough. So, uh, at Kenny Florian on Twitter over the weekend, for anyone who enjoys the sport of MMA, just be a judge or ref instead of a fighter. You can pretty much be consistently terrible and still have a job. Not the case as an MMA fighter. Now, I can tell you Kempo wasn't drinking this weekend, right? He's not a big drinker. Maybe he was, but I don't think he was drinking. Uh, I don't know, too, because there were a lot of issues over the weekend what exactly you are speaking to. I will just yeah. tell you what my issue is with the end of the fight. Sure. And it's a general thing. Yeah. I don't like... <clears throat> when a referee makes contact with a fighter. Because I think once you do that, the fight has to be over. And I went back and watched Czech Congo against Pat Barry. Same referee in question. It was Dan Mergliotti. You know, at one point he touches Pat Barry, does a pretty good job in that instance of getting out of the way. And I know it's harder for Dan to get out of the way than the no-nonsense Keith Peterson, right? A smaller guy. Uh, but you got to not make contact with a fighter. And I think once you make contact with the offensive fighter, the fight's got to be over. That being said... That's not really the rub of this stoppage. So your thoughts on how this fight ended and Overeem's, you know, soft protest, I guess. Well, you know, clearly you make a great point. A referee should not touch a fighter unless he's absolutely certain he's going to stop that fight. Now, um, the fight ended up being stopped. Um, I do agree with it. Listen. Overeem was knocked down um, on his back. His head hit the floor. He yeah. was clearly out. His mouth was completely destroyed. He gets back to his feet. Where does he turn? He turns away from the opponent, away from the fight, had no idea what was going on. To me, a referee's concern shouldn't be about the clock, how much time is on. It's the safety of the fighter. Right. And I tell you what, 
and if there was another two seconds on the clock, what do you think Rosenstrike would have done to follow up? It would have been something nasty. And Overeem's history of of getting knocked out and getting knocked out badly by other massive, powerful heavyweights, I didn't need to see that. And yeah. I know, you know, DC and you guys, you know, I, I don't know. I, I heard mainly DC complain about the stoppage. I have no problem with that stoppage. I thought it was a perfect stoppage. I don't agree with the way it was done. I think yeah. uh, Mergliata needs to be more decisive in how he gets in and gets out. Uh, but uh, as far as the stoppage, Overeem was out of there. I mean, he was out. And again, it's a tough job and it's a fine line. And uh, as we'll get to later, you know, Stefan Struve was quick to come to Dan's defense as far as their fight was concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't even remember what I said on broadcast at that point in time. I was like blacked out, dude. I mean, we were on yeah. headset for uh, like I, eight hours. So I, didn't I didn't really hear you uh, talk about, you know, complain about the stoppage necessarily. Um, you know, I, I think and in regards to my tweet to go back to that. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of really odd decisions from the re from the judges um you know some of the referees were off a little bit but i didn't really have a major major problem with with some of the referees there were some mistakes made no doubt um but um you know just some of the referees scorecards and stuff just kind of had me scratching my head it's just yep. ridiculous and you know i should have been more clear if you want to get involved with the sport in some way shape or form if you want to be a part of it um yes. It's way easier to be a referee or a judge because you can be close to the fighters, you can be close to the action, you can be involved with it, uh, and you know your job isn't really on the line. A lot of these guys are making mistake after mistake, and, and I just don't see anyone holding these guys accountable yeah. um, as much as they should be. Again, there's people's lives on the line here, there's people's careers on the line here, and we, you know we've talked about this over and over again uh, on this podcast, but it's just sad. It, yeah. it, it's, it's really yeah. hard to see. I think judging is a far greater issue than refereeing. You know, um, yeah. I have a lot of friends, circumstantially, who are judges and who are referees. You know, I do think the referees, some of them can be a sensitive lot, candidly. Uh, I really do believe that, uh, even though I think that their job is as hard as any in mixed martial arts. It's I just tough. think there are gross inconsistencies, and a lot of these rules, even for officials, seem to be open to interpretation. And if that's Better the go. case, uh, then you're going to have issues you know um so it is what it is uh but uh we got to stop it on that and sort of move on i want to do talk about ben rothwell and stefan struve so many different wrinkles to this if you didn't see the fight uh there was a point deduction on rothwell for what was a second strike to the groin and i can tell you being right there and and being the owner of a penis okay right and the fucking <laughs> and, and that goes with it. i'm sorry for the language right yeah. um Stefan Struve was writhing in pain. If this had happened in practice the second time, that didn't look like it hit as cleanly, he would have been crying his eyes out, but he didn't want to do that on national TV. He shouldn't have fought on at that point in time. We thought the fight was over. For one reason or another, he chose to do so. Uh, and in heavyweight mixed martial arts, as DC beautifully put on the broadcast, that is not a wise decision. Ben Rothwell went for it. There was a big leg check by Ben Rothwell that is an important part of the narrative here because that was the beginning of the end for Stefan Struve. Uh, Struve shouldn't have continued. He did, and it goes in the books as uh, a knockout and a big win, at least on paper for Rothwell. Like you said earlier, dude, we, we could spend a half an hour or an hour talking about this fight. There was so yeah. much here to chew on. But, um, you know, unfortunately for Struve, um, you know, getting hit in the balls not once but twice against yeah. another massive heavyweight uh, is brutal, man. And I think as a fighter, right, you train your ass off to get in there and you want to fight. You want to finish what you started. Right. Um, and you hear the crowd 
all those things, all those factors um, really will get you off the canvas and, and, and get you to want to fight. And I think that's kind of what happened with Struve. You know, you even heard Mergliata, whether that was good or bad, kind of, you know, trying to get him to, to get back in there and, and or ask him if he was okay. And uh, you, you feel all those pressing concerns and you're like, well, I, I got to go fight, I guess. That's what I need to do. And unfortunately, looking back, Stefan Struve probably made the wrong decision here. Uh, ben Rothwell, there's no way that those were intentional shots. He's just not the most flexible guy and probably shouldn't have been going for a body kick or whatever the heck he was going for. Um, and timing-wise, it didn't work out. Uh, Stefan Struve was badly injured and, um, you know, ended up paying for it in the end. That that shin uh, check was absolutely beautiful from Rothwell. Yeah. Ended up catching Struve up against the cage like we've seen Struve so many times before in his career. Ended up getting taken out from that position. Struve just hasn't been able to really utilize the weapons that ma- that would make him very dangerous in there. Re- for me, it was the same Stefan Struve, uh, which was unfortunate. Uh, a quote from Stefan Struve, you're responsible for everything that you throw, so even if there's no intent, the rules need to protect the other fighter. That's where I got screwed, in my opinion, especially when you're cruising on your way to victory. And he defended Dan Mergliata and, and aligned with us in terms of refereeing and MMA being very difficult, you know, but it is uh, it is what it is. It's very unfortunate. Uh, but I also do think that, you know, the crowd was an interesting wrinkle in all of this, right? And uh, I do think as a fighter, to your point, you kind of want to continue and you get a little bit buoyed by the crowd, and uh, but you can't do it against your better judgment, especially when there's show and win money to be considered, right? I mean, Cody Stamen seemed to intimate on, on social media that uh, he is getting his money and certainly he's going to be match made in terms of the matchmaking moving forward as if he beat Song Yudong. Uh, you know, I'm very reluctant to throw out the word robbery uh cody yes. Stamen got screwed in my mind royally he did get a little screwed um you know it was not uh, it, it was not a uh, great night for him or a great night for the judges um that's really unfortunate to see him get that hard work and come in as the underdog and perform like he did um really expose song yudong on the ground man you know uh i was pretty high on song yudong he, he just seemed to be a little off and on the ground man he's got a lot of work to do in my opinion so that was unfortunate. Um, to go back to the cup again, of course. Again, for those fighters that are listening to this, and and Rogan has talked about this. I've talked about this many times. Get yourself a fucking metal tie cup, dude. If you have a plastic cup around your junk and you think that's going to be good enough against a professional fighter kicking you in your midsection, you got another thing coming. Get a metal tie cup so you won't even feel it. You'll probably hurt their foot or their toes. Get something to yeah. truly protect yourself. It's metal. It's going to be fine. Yeah. You're going to be protected. You won't have to worry about anything. It's not that expensive. You're a professional fighter. Get one. The same way you don't go to, to freaking the local sports store and get a little mouth guard and put it in your like boiling water boiling and water, chew yeah. on it. You get a professional one made by a dentist. Be a professional. Get a damn metal tie cup. It should be a requirement for professional mixed martial arts or anyone in professional combat sports. You should have a metal cup, period. I'm glad you kept that soundbite under 60 seconds. We're going to chop it, throw it on Instagram. No, that's what I'm saying. It's perfect. You know, that's your your public service announcement for the day. You've been uh, a broken record when it comes to that. So Rothwell did chip his toenail. I looked down and... uh, yeah, so Dude, there's that too. Right? That's how hard he hit it. Ugh, Unbelievable. Man. So uh, 
In the nature of time, I want to talk about Aspen Ladd over Yana Kunitskaya. I do still think highly of Yana Kunitskaya, uh, who certainly had her moments in this fight. But the big storyline in this one, obviously, was Aspen Ladd on the stool after round two. Her longtime coach from MMA Gold, Jim West, who has been with her for every amateur fight, seemed to know what she needed to hear in that moment. He just felt very confident that uh, the opposing fighter couldn't handle her best stuff. I mean, when you sit down with Jim West... They say Aspen's just like nothing they've ever felt before, right? As far as, you know, a woman in combat before. Just total fucking beast. Like, go knock her head off. And before I could even look up, uh, that's exactly what Aspen Lab was able to do. And this was awesome to see because it's something I've been talking uh, a lot about with my students at, at Meraki. And I was saying, you know, when you're training yourself, you're really training your mind at the end of the day. You're training your mind to respond uh, so the body responds in a certain way, but you're also training your mind to believe in yourself. And I think that speech, you know, after that second round, when she went out to the third round, she was a completely different person. The coach didn't give her some magical technique to go out there or some, you know, magical strategy. He got in her head and said, listen, do you want this? Let's go out there and let's get it. You know, and, and I think that mindset of giving her that confidence and giving her that impetus to go out there and get it done she looked like a different person in that third round, and that's exactly yeah. what she needed. She completely dominated Kunitskaya on the ground. Um, good performance for Aspen Ladd. That's an awesome way to come back from a loss. Long-winded she is not, but she is a terrific athlete and uh, has a very interesting future uh, and a great future ahead of her. So congratulations to Aspen Ladd. You know, it's interesting because here is Cody Stamen, I think 18-2 and two or something, coming into this Song Yudong fight as we continue to work our way down the main card. And... You know, draw doesn't hurt him too badly. It's just interesting when you watch a fight and you feel like there's a clear winner. And, and if you don't know the storyline in this one, there was a point deduction for Song Yudong. It ends up a majority draw, a 29-27 for Stamen, and then 28-28 times two, thus the majority draw. Um, but you go in, to your point, as plus 160 underdog. You beat a guy who's on a long winning streak, who's perfect in the UFC, who's got an entire nation behind him, if not a promotion. And uh, you go do what you've been doing since you've been wrestling at Grand Valley State and just take the right angles and have the right timing and really do everything well in a tough matchup. And uh, it's hard when they don't raise your goddamn hand. I can't speak to how hard it is, but uh, I don't know. I sent him a private message because I, I really felt for him. You know, I did. I'll say this: it's it's not so bad for Song Yudong getting a draw, right? But it is kind of bad. No? Yeah, exactly. For Stamen, it is actually terrible. I think you know, for me, that's a win. You know, if I'm looking at that and go, that's a win that someone took away from me, or three people, or two people took away from me, based on their judging. And yeah, that's man, that hurts big time. And and again, who knows? Th th these are the kind of fights that could set you back monetarily. It seems like he did get his win bonus or whatever, but that could set you back on who you fight next. On yeah. first of all, with looking back on your legacy, on your on your on your record, it sucks, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I am hopeful that uh, he's still going to get that top 10 opponent at least i mean i think he came in number nine in the world so uh yeah. very much a threat and he moved to las vegas four months ago and i'm spending a little extra time on him because i really think he's a bona fide bantamweight contender he is taking full advantage of the ufc pi and it is it is amazing kenny right like you i'm i'm telling you you would have even you would have probably considered moving to las vegas in your prime if you had spent a couple weeks there, it's one stop shopping. It has everything you could possibly need and it costs zero, you know, uh, like absolutely. And also now we're kind of in a different era where 
you, you kind of get your coaches and you can bring them there for you to train. And um, it, yeah. it, it's a perfect environment for all these fighters. And also for those guys that want a little bit of privacy and can do their own thing, you know, being at these big gyms, I, I think it's going to be a thing of the past. I, I, I think I, I, how can you get the same amount of attention? You might as well be in the, in the best facility possible. Bring your own coaches in, do your camps over there. You got everything taken care of. Why not? You know, Stam will go to Extreme Couture for a couple classes a week or whatever he does, but everything yeah. is rooted in that UFC PI and to that entire staff, Clint and Heather and my man James Kimball putting it all together. Uh, it's just an amazing facility, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of them take advantage of it. I think any fighter who would, would spend a couple weeks there uh, would really think long and hard uh, about living in that fine city and, and basing their camp uh, at the UFC PI. One guy who doesn't do that, uh, and a guy who Massachusetts and New England should be wicked proud of after the effort over the weekend. How about Haverhill's Rob Font by unanimous decision over Ricky Simone? Rounds two and three, all Rob Font. Certainly on the short list of the of the best boxers and hardest punchers for me, pound for pound in the sport. Has a great circle around him right now. Everything put together by Tyson Chartier. Uh, Calvin Cater and, and Rob really motivate each other. They coach each other, not unlike Aljo and Ally Quinta. And uh, I know I've spoken very highly of Calvin Cater. I think Rob Font deserves a lot of shine. And uh, again, not unlike Cody Stamen, you know, maybe the two of those guys finally fight. Not unlike Cody, I think Rob Font on his best night can beat any bantamweight in the world. I thought Rob Font looked fantastic. I thought he did a great job of really staying composed in some very tough moments there uh, when he was getting taken down. Um, I, I liked how he surprised Ricky Simone straight away uh, with a takedown. I thought that was a nice development in his game. Rob Font has improved so much physically, technically, spiritually as a fighter. Yeah. It's awesome to see a guy who's training in Massachusetts do as well as he's doing. Um, you know, obviously coming from that area from and from a biased perspective. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think Rob Font is going to be tough for a lot of these bantamweights to deal with. Um, looked in great shape. Uh, loved the volume. Right. He was staying very active. Made the proper adjustments to win a very tough fight against Ricky Simone. Yeah, Ricky Simone is no picnic and uh, valuable experience gained for him. Both those guys make an extra $50,000. And it was just such a great fight and such a great way to kick off the main card on what was a huge night for the UFC and ESPN. And sometimes when you're watching a fight like that, as someone who's supported this sport now for 13, 14 years, it's really nice to see. It's like, this is perfect, right? This is high-level mixed martial arts. This is every skill in the book. This is exactly what, you know... ESPN paid for, so that was really good to see. Uh, last thing on the main card before we get to Ray Longo, we'll see how the early call time affects Ray Longo today if he takes the call. Uh, Marina Rodriguez and Cynthia Calvillo fight to a majority draw. You know, I have far less issue with this, obviously, than Stamen Sadong. Uh, Sadong, Song Yadong, Jesus. But as far as Cynthia Calvillo is concerned, she's going to go to the UFC PI now and go through the full assessment to see what is the right weight class for her moving forward. I'm hoping it's flyweight. I think for her, she's so competitive, Kenny, and she sort of told us this, that she wants to win the belt at 115 pounds because that's the goal that she set out for. And she believes that if her health and everything is in the right place, that's her division. Um, but I think the PI might tell her the flyweight's the division for her. But uh, a big miss by four pounds for a sweet girl, regardless, not a good look. It's not It's not really uh, what you want to do. A lot of times it's what you can do, right? So uh, it, it could be that maybe she's not working hard enough. Maybe she's not on top of the diet. And maybe she doesn't want it as badly as she thinks she does. Um, or 
maybe she's just too big for the weight class. So she needs to figure that out uh, and, and really do some investigating. Um, I thought Marina Rodriguez did a tremendous job uh, in that fight. Uh, obviously, she was very vulnerable on the ground, as we mentioned uh, prior to the you know last fight when Ian and I were talking about this fight and breaking it down. Uh, but she's gonna be she's gonna be a handful for anyone on the feet, man. I love the way she mixes it up. She is yeah. nasty. She is composed. Um, you know, suffered her first loss in there, but I think she's gonna come back strong. Needs to work on her ground uh, ground game and wrestling big time. What a fighter! And unlike a lot of these Brazilians. She didn't get the early start, right? Little judo as a kid, as we said on the broadcast, but mixed martial arts transition didn't happen until 26 years Amazing. of age for her. So congrats to her and and to Tim Means Business, a guillotine choke on Tiago Alves. Looked like it might have been a TKO, but then he wisely goes to the sub. Uh, Billy Q, Billy Corintello, great UFC debut against a very tough Jacob Kilburn. Joe Selecki, uh, he looks like he could be a problem at 155 pounds. You know, some might say he borders on specialist, ground game outstanding, striking evolving, but uh, decisive win over Matt Wyman and, and a great way to kick off his UFC career. All right, Longo's not ready. I knew he wasn't going to pick up his phone, so we're going to get you the pronunciation of the week and we'll see if we can bang Longo on the other side otherwise we'll get into Frankie Edgar and the Korean zombie uh which is the new fight now for December 21st we'll get your thoughts on on Frankie stepping up on short notice uh but let's get to the pronunciation of the week as we inch closer to UFC 245 now five sleeps away I believe uh this man TJ a badass Russian boxer he will face Uriah Faber to kick off the pay-per-view this weekend in Las Vegas Nevada TJ DeSantis will be in Las Vegas for Quintet Ultra First, though, he's got to get through the pronunciation of the week. TJ, who am I talking about? Peter Jan. Oh, oh, oh boy. Oh, oh, ah. bo- oh, boy. Not- oh, boy, you didn't show up yesterday. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. Huh. All right. Oh, boy. Oh, Kenny's always advantage. busting my chops over here. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not a win, but he, he did fail to show yesterday. Let's hear uh, how Piotr says it. Piotr Jan. Piotr Jan. Nice and slow. Piotr Jan. Exactly the way I said it. <laughs> TJ, like you me, play? you missed it by that much. Can you play it once more, please? Oh, absolutely. One more time. Here we go. Well, I just need you to say your name once. Piotr Jan. And say it Piotr again. Jan. Nice and slow. Piotr Jan. And with your nickname. His position list. Piotr No Mercy Jan. Gotta love it. I just wanted no to hear mercy. the dulcet tones of our uh, senior producer, Lappy LaPlante, you hear that in the background? Lappy! Piotr cuts him off the second time, but TJ, no, whatever the fuck you said for his first name, that is not a victory. Piotr Jan. You make and you make one bet against Kenny Florian by taking Kit Cope, and it haunts you forever. <laughs> forever! <Yeah>. Hey, <clears throat> I, you would have gotten a laugh out loud for me there, but I got this fucking cough, and, and every time I laugh, I cough, so you'll have to take a smile. But TJ, it's not a big deal because you've guaranteed with only one show to go at 14 and 12 uh, that you get the bonus because you're above 500 for the year, so it really doesn't matter. What does matter, Quintet Ultra Thursday night, TJ DeSantis, Eddie Bravo on the call, UFCFightPass.com, redesign in effect. TJ, you're pretty excited about this if your social media is any indication. Talk yeah. to me. I mean, being a hardcore MMA fan for years, we've wondered what it would look like if the UFC would go head-to-head with some of its rivals and. To get that in a grappling competition, I know it's not the co-promotion that everyone wanted uh, with, with some of these promotions back in the day, but uh, this is happening, it's real, it's tangible, and uh, it's going down, and it's a precursor to one of the biggest UFC fight cards 
of the year. Uh, I have really had, I mean, I'm, I'd be lying if I said I was this stoked to f- call any other card ever before. It's a pretty big deal. That's cool, man. I'm happy for you. Big opportunity. See what you can do with it. We'll be watching Thursday night. What time? Uh, Thursday night, I believe. I believe seven p.m. Pacific. I don't know exactly yet, but uh, you know, look at look at Fight Pass. It has the uh, it has the the ticker over there. I think. Okay, and why don't you tell the listeners exactly where you're staying, the floor number, and everything, in case they want some uh, some photo. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, to, to to be announced. I'll I'll tweet it at you. All right, well, All right, why don't you uh, why don't you call Ian Parker and see if he's able to step up here in Ray Longo's absence? Today's main event challenge brought to you by Oddshark.com. Oddshark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to Oddshark and start playing like a shark today. Oddshark.com. Don't forget. That second S, I will also be doing a UFC 245 preview this week for oddshark.com, so you can certainly head over and check that out. All right, main event challenge, two cards to go. Let's get to it. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, so here we go. Coming down the stretch team. Florian led team Anik 142 to 139 going into UFC fight night. Overeem versus Rosenstrike. And Parker wins the week for the kids. 6-5. Courtesy of that Aspen Lad prediction. So it is now 147 to 145. Team Florian has the lead. Just two events to go in 2019. And the Duck, Ian Parker, now joins us live. Ducko, what's up, buddy? Quack, quack. Ducks so, together. Let's go. So my twin brother, Jay, who lives down here with me in Boca Raton, Florida, he sent me some GIF, Ken Flo, is that what they call it? A GIF Something of like, like that, ducks huh? or whatever. And he said, TJ's spot on. He actually thinks there's some legs to the duck nickname that maybe you sound like a duck. I was not at all going to go with it. I don't think you sound like a duck. My twin bro said we should go with it. Uh, so the duck is now with us live. What's up, bro? Wow, that's a rough one. I thought your brother was Team Parker. I don't. I don't know how I feel about about the duck name. Um, but when I did w- go back and listen to it, TJ was right. It was pretty duckish. So I kind of deserve <laughs> this one. All right. Well, hey, I mean, it's good to have a nickname, regardless of uh, how much you like it, uh, and and as long as you're not giving it to yourself, you know. Um, all right, so UFC 245, Usman versus Covington. Saturday night, we got six picks today. First up will be the featured prelim on ESPN2 at welterweight. Jeff Neal, minus 255 versus Platinum Mike Perry, who is plus 200. Ian, love both of these guys. High stakes at 170 pounds. What do you think about the matchup? Yeah, both these guys are awesome. And Mike Perry is probably, if not the most entertaining guy UFC has on the roster, literally from from start to finish, from the walkout to the end of the fight. And, man, I can't get that image of his nose just being all the way on the other side of his face. Um, for me, this seems like a very hard matchup for him coming out of the gate after that last fight where he took a lot of damage. You know, again, in the striking battle, he's going against a very athletic guy here, and I feel like he is – this is not a good matchup for him. There's a reason why the odds are where they're at on a guy like Neil. Neil is going to be way faster. I think he's physically going to be stronger. And I just feel like his IQ within his overall game is just on a higher level than Mike's. Um, Mike has shown way more poise, but I'm going Jeffrey Neal here. I just see him. I just think he's going to be too much for Mike Perry. And 
man, I, I just, if it happens, I hope it happens quick. I'd hate to see Perry take a lot of damage again. So I'm going with Neil. Ken Flo, Platinum Mike Perry lost that split decision to Vicente Luque in August. A lot of people thought he won that fight. That would have been two straight. Now he'll try to avoid a third loss in his last four. Uh, and Jeff Neal, back-to-back wild men, Nico Price. Now, Mike Perry, your thoughts on Perry versus Neal this weekend, kid? Well, you brought up that fight against Nico Price with Jeff Neal, and I thought that Jeff Neal really had some scary moments at times. Oh, yeah. If he does that against someone like Mike Perry, he could be sleeping. I, I, I really think that Mike Perry could pose a lot of problems for Jeff Neal. I'm not confident enough to go with uh, Mike Perry, but um, it's not going to be easy for Jeff Neal, who who really goes behind, uh, who wins behind his striking. And I think if he does that um, and plays a clean fight, pays a technical fight, keeps Perry on the outside, stays moving and stays disciplined, more importantly, he will win this fight. Um, I don't know if he's going to stop Mike Perry. Um, but he has to be careful to not get emotional and trade in the pocket. If he does that, again, Mike Perry has a very good shot of being the underdog winner. It's interesting with Jeff Neal because I think in some respects fighting Nico Price is like the best preparation for fighting a guy like Platinum Mike Perry because Nico's so wild, Kenny, that like right. you can't help but get suckered in a little bit, right? I mean, Safe Saoud certainly went over that with Jeff Neal, but eventually it just it's a fight in a, an enclosed space. And, you know, I'm not sure Perry can bring the chaos quite the way Nico Price can. It's just a little bit different. But. And also because of his reach, because of the, the, the height and length of Nico Price, that posed uh, some extra difficulty for him. All right, let us get it to pay-per-view now. Uh, moving night in the Bantamweight division. How good is this? Piotr Jan, minus 450, the favorite here against Uriah Faber, coming back at plus 325. Faber, of course, is a man. He is 40. He is coming off a 46-second knockout of Ricky Simone. That was in Sacramento back in July. Jan, 5-0 and in the UFC, 13-1 overall. And Ian Parker he is heavily favored here to get a ninth consecutive win against Uriah Faber. A lot of points available in our system if you pick Faber, but Jan's a tough out, Ian. Who do you, th- who do you like? Yeah, believe me, I'd love to take a shot here um, on the underdog. The problem is I just haven't seen too many holes in Jan's game, you know, and I honestly feel like Jan deserved. I hate, this is not a, uh, a disrespectful knock on Faber, but, you know, they were talking about Jan versus Aljamain Sterling, who could arguably be the number one contender for the belt, and now he's fighting Uriah Faber, who is ranked, what, is he number 11? You know, and he, and he beat Ricky Simone, even though how he did it. You know, I, I think that, and Faber, listen, Faber did a good job against Ricky Simone. I won't take anything away from that fight. I just think that Jan is leaps and bounds ahead of him everywhere speed wise the only thing he doesn't have is the experience obviously compared to favor but speed wise power wise iq wise he's not ricky simone he's not going to come in wild overly confident i'm sorry he will be overly confident not cocky i just think jan is going to be way too much for favor and as much as again i love that underdog shot this is not the fight to do it i'm going with jan well, but I think for Yanni, and it's like you're getting a chance against the UFC Hall of Famer. Aljo's on the men. The champion in your division is on the men. You've got guys like Dominic Cruz lurking, and that seems to be a fight that, that Henry Cejudo has an appetite for. Uh, degree of difficulty, certainly the odds would suggest that an Aljo fight for Jan uh, is far more dangerous in a title eliminator spot than Uriah Faber. I, I see all upside for the Russian boxer, at least as far as the matchup is concerned. But it, but to your point, yes, matchup wise. But a, a win over 
Sabre, based on the rank, is not going to get him closer to a title shot. You know, think How about do you this, know? Right? I mean, he you've got really... space in Dana's office. How do you know? I mean, there's so many circumstances in MMA. Jan's number four in the world. Uh, you know, if Faber wins, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to try to fight Henry. So, I don't know. I but don't that, know but that... That's, uh... But that's... No, no, no. I, I Listen, and don't get me wrong. I, I, What you're saying is 100% valid. But look at it this way, right? When you have someone like Peter... Uh, Poter or Peter, I don't know how the hell you spell you, say his first name, but Jan, you know, the way he's going, he wanted top-level competition because that division, you have to do it that way. This is not 205 where Corey Anderson beats number 11, and now he's fighting, you know, Blankovich in order to, you know, as a title eliminator. Beating number 11 doesn't get you that title contender spot. Now, Faber does carry that marketable name, but if Jan goes out and smashes Faber, he's still two fights away. You know, you may see him fight, you know, a Corey Sanhagen, you know, type of situation after, you know, or you may see him fight Aljo still after. However, if Faber does win, in my opinion, this is a, a huge opportunity for Faber compared to Jan. All right. I, I, I don't think the general public it, is um, fooled by Faber's name at this point. You know, that, that's just my opinion. I still like Jan, though. <laughs> I would say I would say this. Ian's trying to use too much common sense to think about this. That that's the problem. I, I think. Listen, I, I the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. You, you make sense, Ian. But you're talking about a guy in Uriah Faber who is probably the biggest name at 135 pounds, right? Maybe the bigger bigger name. One of the biggest names at 145 pounds. Maybe one of the biggest names under 170 pounds. Period. So this is a a big star. This is a win-win for the UFC. If Uriah goes out and beats someone like Piotr Jan, he gets probably going to get a title shot because of his name. Um, and, you know, so th- that's huge. And if Uriah, if Uriah wins, they might throw him in there, you know, because of, because of his name and what he's done. The problem is I just don't see it happening. Uriah Faber hasn't really made huge improvements mentally. He's very strong, always is going to go in there confident, looking for that overhand right. Um, but I think where he needs to get it done is on the ground. He needs to create some scrambles with uh, Piotr Jan, uh, look for that neck for a guillotine or a rear naked choke. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's going to be Piotr Jan by decision. All right, a lot of good competition in the UFC already for Jan. Jimmy Rivera, John Dodson, Douglas Silva, DeAndrage. We'll see how he matches up with Uriah this weekend. We move on now also at Bantamweight. We'll have Ken Flo lead here. He did fight Jose Aldo for the UFC Featherweight Championship. Aldo here, Ken Flo, plus 160, the dog. As he drops down to 135 pounds, he will face one of the best in Magic Marlon Marais, who is the minus 195 betting favorite. You know, Ken, a lot has been made of the visuals of Jose Aldo in training. A lot of people thought at this point of his career he'd be moving up to 155 right. pounds, potentially for a super fight against someone like Anthony Showtime Pettis. Instead, longtime featherweight champion moves down to 135. Your thoughts on Aldo in the weight class and ultimately in this huge pay-per-view showcase against Magic Marlon Marais. Well, that's what's a little bit uh, confusing for me is how how did we go from talking about uh, Jose Aldo fighting for the belt at 155 pounds at one point to now, you know, because he was too big at 145 pounds to now him going down to 135 pounds? The pictures to me, they don't look great, man. They, they just do not look good to me. Um, I didn't look great when I cut down to 145 pounds and I don't think Aldo looks great cutting down to 135 pounds it's one thing to make the weight and I think he will make the weight it's going to be another thing to fight at the weight and he's fighting an absolute killer in Marlon Marais I think that Jose Aldo is one of the fastest guys uh, under 155 pounds 
but he happens to be facing a guy who I think is going to be as fast, if not faster than him. That's going to be a problem. And if you don't have uh, your full capacities out there, these are the kind of fights where you see not only knockouts, but potentially devastating knockouts on the other side. And I think Mar Marlon Marais hits hard enough to get a knockout at 135 pounds, perhaps 145 pounds. So I think this is going to be a tough fight for Jose Aldo. I see Marlon Marais winning this fight. I hope Jose Aldo goes out there and gets the win. I'm just not so confident of that. Some people sort of suggesting that Aldo's kind of this foodie, right? He eats a lot of steak. You know, he's got the famous burger chain that he owns in Brazil. And so really cleaned up the diet. And that seems to be a big part of their defense for maybe the, the physical that we're seeing. Uh, we're going to get a lot of answers, obviously, this weekend. Ian Parker, Marlon Rice minus 195, Jose Aldo plus 160. Who do you have? Yeah, you know, it, it's hard because at this level, you know, we see so many people who come out and even struggle to make the weight, and they come out and they perform. I mean, someone like Bryce Mitchell, you know, he said he almost passed out, that the weight was really rough, and then look at the performance he put on. And Aldo's been doing this for such a long time. To answer Kenny's question, I don't know if I can really answer it. I'm just going to take a guess here. When he thought about going to 55, I think he had a couple of matchups in mind. Maybe it was Connor, Maybe it was an Nate Diaz. Maybe it was an Anthony Pettis where other guys that have fought in that weight class. And then he saw when Max Holloway, who destroyed him, went up to 55, what happened to Max Holloway. He said, you know what? Maybe 55 is not for me. Maybe I can't match in that size, that strength. You know, maybe it just didn't fit. Now, to go to 35, that's crazy because, like you said, he had trouble making weight at 45. He didn't look great on the scales ever at that weight. However, I have a funny feeling that this may be the fastest route to a title shot in this division is, yeah. if he is to go in there and smoke Marlon Rice. However, I do not see that happening at all. I think Kenny hit this on the head. Aldo's fast. I think Marais is faster. Marais also looks always looks physically big for this weight class, and you never heard anything about him having too much of a weight issue. He's very well-rounded. Um, his kicks are ridiculous. Great hands. You know, I, I just, man, this is a rough matchup for Aldo, especially in a new weight class and having to go through that challenge of the weight cut as well. Oh, man, to Kenny's point, wouldn't you love to see Aldo come out and surprise everybody and get the knockout? I mean, just for the story, but I don't see it happening. I think Marais is just going to be well, well too, way too well prepared, um, and I think the speed will be there. I like Marlon Marais as well. Ken Flo, please remind me to get your thoughts on Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell at the end of the program today, <laughs> who turned in the second twister in UFC You're history. Welcome. But we got to move it on. Three title fights to close out the predictions today. We will need rounds. We will need methods of victory the rest of the way. First up, women's bantamweight title tilt. Amanda Nunes minus 290. Jermaine Durandamy plus 230. Of course, GDR famously stopping Aspen Ladd in 16 seconds in the main event July 13th. Gets her rematch here with Amanda Nunes, who stopped her six years ago. It was UFC fight night for the troops. November 2013, first round stoppage for Amanda Nunes. Ian Parker, Act 2, Saturday night. Since that first meeting, Nunez is only 9-1 and one and has only become the greatest of all time. How do you think she fares here against GDR? Yeah, this is, uh, <coughs> excuse me, this, oh, man. You know, I've been going back and forth on this. I know I keep talking about the odds, and it's, it's hard to go against Amanda Nunez ever in currently what the roster has in the UFC, especially with what she did to Cyborg. However, this is one of those times where I got to make a move. I got to take a shot at an underdog. And as of, as of today's Tuesday, not Monday, I'm going to go for it here with GDR. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to try to keep it brief so I don't go on too much of a rant. Amanda Nunez used to really, you know, she's got a great ground game. However, 
because her striking has really worked for her, there's been no reason to change it. No one's really given her that problem except for Valentina and Nunes has come out on top. GDR, however, is going to have the reach. She knows how to use it. Very well-decorated kickboxer. And I think if anyone is going to get to Amanda in the striking department, it has to be GDR based on the skills, based on the experience. And I just don't see Amanda taking this fight to the ground. I don't think GDR is going to really fight the way Holly Holm fought. You know, Holly Holm, obviously a world-renowned striker, but her MMA career has been so up and down, and she's kind of lost her, you know, her mojo, I guess, when it came to that department. The fact that she got, you know, head kicked into a knockout, terrible. I don't see GDR fall into that trap. Jermaine Durandamy does not fight emotional. She does not come out, and she does not play into her opponent's game plan. I think that works here. I'm going to go Jermaine Durandamy. I'm going to oh, – man, this is a five-round fight, though. This is kind of crazy. Uh, I'm going to hope for a little lady luck here. I'm going to go GDR, PKO, round two. I may change this pick, but i got to make a move okay. to get past Ken Flo okay. going to the last card. I was going to remind you guys, too. Yeah, just text me right up until the fight. Phone will be buzzing at the broadcast oh, table as Ian goes to round four. All right, so Kenny, Durandamy, nine and three in MMA with four knockouts, so certainly has proven power. 46 wins in Muay Thai, 30 of those by knockout. <coughs> Excuse me. I think everyone's kind of up against it, so to speak, when you're fighting Amanda Nunes, but um, GDR may be a more live underdog than most recent victims of Nunes. Your thoughts on Durandamy in this spot against the consensus greatest of all time? You know, I think my concern for Amanda Nunes will be in those fourth and fifth rounds. Um, that's where I think Jermaine Durandamy can win this fight if she's able to keep the fight standing. And if Amanda Nunes is trying to strictly just make this a kickboxing fight, she's going to be in trouble. I think she hits harder than Jermaine Durandamy, in my opinion. But that yeah. is not the safest route to victory. And when you're looking for, you know, keeping your legacy and keeping that damn belt, what she is going to be about she better take the smart approach of utilizing her full mixed martial arts skill set, which is going to be utilizing the striking, get her to respect the striking, and get her down to the mat like she did in the first fight. Um, and I, I think she'll be all over either with a TKO uh, or with a submission. Um, I'm going to go with a submission, Amanda Nunes, round three. Round three submission for Amanda Nunez. And by the way, you can also make picks. John Annex MMA Charity Challenge is now live. JohnAnnick.com. Register, get chips. More on that a little bit later. Co-main event. Ken Flo is going to lead here. I cannot wait to hear how you guys assess this. I know we talked about it a few weeks ago. I know Ian Parker's got like half a tuition on Max Holloway already. But <laughs> here we go. UFC featherweight championship. Holloway minus 170. Alexander Volkanovsky is plus 140. Holloway has not lost at 145 pounds since he was beaten on points by Conor McGregor. That was over six years ago. And it was only Max's sixth UFC fight. So since he's won 14 of 15... He's dominated most of that competition, Kenny, and most of it has been elite. Of course, on the other side, you got Volkanovski, who's looked unbeatable. He's 20-1, and 7-0 in the UFC, wins over Mendez and Aldo, 17 straight overall. Something's got to give, Ken Flo. Volkanovski, Max Holloway, who's the pick to click? Yeah, you know, this is a fascinating matchup. Uh, Volkanovski is an absolute juggernaut. Max Holloway uh, is slick. Uh, he is lanky. Um, he has excellent footwork. He has an experience advantage over Volkanovski that is going to be hard to beat. I don't think Volkanovski is going to go away. I think he's going to try to pressure him, uh, make the octagon as small as possible, uh, and just be the power guy in there. Um, he'll certainly look for takedowns. I just think that you know, with the fight against Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway, 
um, you know, had a great warm-up fight for someone like Volkanovski. I, I think that Max Holloway is going to utilize that reach. He's going to keep Volkanovski on the outside. Uh, he showed in his last fight that he can fight very well going backwards. He can counter very well going backwards. He always does his homework. Um, and I, I think he wins this fight by decision. I don't see him stopping Volkanovski, but I think he's going to get the win uh, by decision here. All right, so Ian, we kind of broke this thing down a couple weeks ago during that UFC bye week, and I know you told our listeners, and I'm paraphrasing, but you're looking at max bet on Max Holloway in that minus 160, minus 170 range. Has anything changed in your mind? Other than uh, I checked this morning, went up to minus 180, uh, where I was placed, where I placed the original plays. You know what? No, nothing's really changed for me. I, I've watched. Uh, Alex's fight against Chad Mendez a lot because that just seems to be floating around the internet more than anything. And, you know, he, don't get me wrong. He presents a problem for anyone because he's an extremely talented fighter and he's shown us so far in the UFC a lot of resilience, great technique. Obviously, he's got a great team behind him. But we're talking about Max Holloway here. I think people forget how young he still actually is. You know, very few times he's even taken a ton of damage. Maybe the Dustin Poirier fight was the only fight he really took a lot of damage. And he obviously recovered well. He came back. He fought. You know, he won. And it's hard for me to really bet against Holloway ever, especially if it's below minus 200 at the 145-pound weight class. And, and he's proven that. You know, he's not just squeaking by guys. He is dominating them, whether it's by finish or on the scorecards. I don't see where Alex is going to throw something at Max that Max just hasn't seen before and hasn't been prepping. You know, he's a smart fighter. He probably, I don't know if there's anyone else who trains harder than him, mentally pre prepared for a fight, however you want to skin the cat. I love Max Holloway here. I think he's going to be the better striker. I am not worried about Alex's power. Like I said, Max has fought guys with power. You know, I'm not worried about Alex's wrestling. Max has fought guys with better wrestling. Cardio, Max has it for days. The championship experience, the five-round experience in multiple weight classes, I'm sticking by it. I really hate to do this, but I, I think Max Holloway also will win by decision. I may change that to a late-round finish, but at the moment, I'm going Max Holloway decision as well. All right, main event. Simply cannot wait. Kamaru Usman, minus 190. Colby Covington, plus 155 for the undisputed welterweight title. We'll need the round, the method of victory. Ian Parker, who leaves Las Vegas with what is just going to feel like such a good win. I mean, whoever is, is going to their after party winning this fight, uh, Cloud9 doesn't even begin to describe it. You like Usman or Covington? The, the more I look into this fight, the harder it really is to decipher who's going to win. You know, both these guys have Brutal. similar styles. It's just that Kobe really obviously has more output, but Usman doesn't stop either. So what I'm going to really try and do is I'm going to try and base this off their last two fights, and I'm going to go by the level of competition. As much as I was impressed with Kobe, what he land, over 500 strikes, whatever it was against Robbie Lawler, yeah. one yeah. of the things that Kenny and I mentioned was his lack of being able to finish Robbie in a very dominant position, not once but twice. I think it was in the second round with the, rare, the first and the second round with the rare naked choke. You know, earlier, too, when they're not as slippery from sweat, blood, etc. You know, Kobe has this insane pace, but Usman really does, too. And I thought what Kumar Usman did to Tyron Woodley was equally, if not more impressive, just, just in my mind. You know, I know Kenny mentioned that he's never seen Tyron Woodley fight like that, but that can't be at fault to what Usman did. Usman still imposed his will. He had a game plan. He went for it. And, you know, physically, I think Usman's going to be the stronger fighter. I think he is the better boxer. I know Kobe throws a lot. doesn't seem like there's a lot of power on those shots, though. So I don't think Usman has anything to be worried about getting knocked out. It's just about being taken down 
and being grinded out. And I don't know if that's going to happen here. There's going to be a lot of clinch work. So at the moment, I'm going to stick with my original uh, pick from a couple weeks ago. I'm going to go with Kamaru Usman, the current champ, and I'm going to say it's going to be by decision. Um, you know, I'm not overly confident, though. You know, I mean, it's hard to not take Kobe with those underdog odds. I know Kenny's going to go that way, and that's okay at the moment. I just don't know if his style is going to do as well against literally his style. Both these guys, I think, have a, a very mirrored style. Just I'm going with the stronger one, with the current champ, and based on the level of competition. So I'm going to go with Kamara Usman. Kamara Usman has never been taken down in the UFC. 100% takedown defense. Not a ton of attempts, but uh, if Colby's able to take him down, he will be the first to do so. Fascinating championship matchup, Kenny. Two guys who really have come to define the word dominant in their UFC careers both 15 and 1 overall Covington 10 and 1 in the UFC masterpiece against Robbie Lawler in a five round main event and I think that's why a lot of people see value on him this weekend on the other side Usman's never lost in the UFC 10 and 0 he's won 14 straight dominated Tyron Woodley like few thought he could to become the welterweight champ that was UFC 235 in March the world needs to know Ken Flo who's your money on are you betting the fight who do you like you know I, I think the aggressor here in this fight um will reap the rewards. I think whoever is leading the dance and backing up the other fighter is going to win that fight. Um, I think that's what Usman's going to try to do straight off the bat. Um, I think that's going to be difficult against Colby. Uh, I do think Colby is the better striker, however, and I, I hate using this cliche, but it, it is true. A lot of times when you see two wrestlers in there, the wrestling skills tend to cancel each other out. Um, and uh, But I do think that Usman's definitely going to try way more takedowns than Colby does. Um, I, I think that's where he's going to rely um, you know, on his strategy and his tactics in this fight. Um, I, I think that Colby is not going to be easy to get taken down. I think if he does get taken down, he'll be able to get back to his feet. But if someone gets a submission on the ground, um, it will be Usman. Uh, I think that uh, his submissions are going to be cleaner than Colby. I just think Colby is going to uh, eventually pressure Usman with striking. I think he's going to hurt uh, Usman. Um, and I think Usman's a little bit too emotional heading into this fight. I think Colby's doing a good job of getting him worked up. I see Colby uh, winning this fight uh, round three by TKO. Round three TKO for Colby Covington. Wow. So we have disagreement on two of the three title fights. And Kenny, I think you hit on a lot of good things there. And and again, it'll be fun to recap it with you guys because I do believe emotionally Covington uh, is super tough and tuned in and out in Vegas way early and just a hard guy to mentally get off his game. And Usman obviously has proven to be that as well. So there were some emotions in the Woodley fight, not nearly what he's dealing with uh, coming up this weekend. All right, Ian Parker, before we do let you go... Um, we expect to see you at the top of the celebrity leaderboard for John Annex MMA Charity Challenge this weekend. If you don't know, the official launch is Saturday night for the pay-per-view in Vegas. Make your picks. You just register at johnannick.com, then click Get Chips to Play. All the money, whatever your donation is, I don't know exactly how it works on that front, but we'll go to Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster's Juju Foundation. So johnannick.com, hopefully a lot of our listeners will populate. And uh, you can play for free if you want and if you don't want to support the charity. There are grand prizes, things like that as well. JohnAnnick.com to register. And uh, Ian Parker, you did pretty well with the pilot. I'm expecting big things coming up here Saturday night, kid. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I think, uh, especially on a car like this, it's going to be extremely competitive. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Jeremy Roenick, you're going down. Brian Erlacher was one of the surprise uh, right. guys that were going ham in that one. I, I, I plan on taking him down as well. All right, buddy. Good stuff. Thanks for everything. Oh, there's the duck. That's, there's the outro. Uh, uh. You know, 
I gotta say something. You guys get this awesome intro. I get an outro of a fucking song. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's all it's all good. I, I can take it. Man, that was brutal though. Thank you, TJ. Love you. Hey, if you want to pay for some new liners, if you want to pay the VO guy to say Team Parker, we'll be happy to get that done for you for 2020. Okay. Anything to get rid of that Duck Dynasty soundtrack. I'm in. <laughs> well, the Duck soundbite uh, is going to live on with you, but we appreciate you stepping up and your contributions, obviously, and uh, coming on early today because Longo kind of flakes. So uh, thank you, buddy. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights, all right? You got it, guys. Have a good one. Ken Flo, is there anything more exciting in mixed martial arts than the twister, right? And it was a nice job, I thought, by DC to sort of, sort of talk us through it. You know, there, there's a lot of that going on in his wrestling room, guys trying to trap the arm and execute the twister and everything else. Uh, but, you know, for all things Brazilian jiu-jitsu and submission-wise, you're my guy. There's only been two of these, and, yep. man, it looks like the worst thing that could happen to your body, man. You know, Matt Sales with the quick tap, obviously, and, and a 50K bonus there for Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell. It's a devastating submission. Um, cool to see Bryce Mitchell be able to hit that in the UFC at that level. And, um, yeah, it, it is one of the more painful submissions that you can be in. And it can really do a lot of damage to both your neck, your spine, your hip, your knee, your ankle. I mean, there, there's so many things that could go wrong with that submission. Uh, and you really just feel it everywhere. So uh, an absolute uh, brutal submission. Congratulations to Bryce Mitchell uh, for hitting it. And what a unique individual. We sat down with him in the fighter meeting, and we can't always share all of the stories that these guys, and especially it was a quick fight, so we didn't get into all of that. But he has a lot of family support with his aunt, but his mother has been against this thing right out of the shoot. Uh, mm. She got conned into signing a bout agreement uh, as his guardian when he was like 17 years old. And uh, then she was like hoping he was going to get his ass whooped. And now here he is, 12 and 1, just an absolute force, gets a $50,000 bonus. You know, what does the mother say? When you go back and say, Mom, I know you don't like the career choice, but uh, I just want to let you know this weekend, like, uh, you know, I made $140,000 and I don't have a scratch on me. So uh, congrats to Thug Nasty, uh, Bryce Mitchell. All right, we have corralled the great Ray Longo. He didn't love the early call time, but let us get to the Ray Longo minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Well, if you're watching us right now on our new YouTube channel, uh, this is for you. I'm sitting here with, with Ray Longo's Christmas bonus check in my hand. Probably picked the wrong day to write it out. Uh, 11 a.m. Eastern call time didn't work out so well, Ray. It's 11.37. It, it's, yeah. it's good to have you nonetheless. Yeah, take a couple of zeros off that check for this. But all I know, <laughs> John, is that... Yesterday I was on time. I was on time, and I sat here with my thumb up my yeah. ass. Ha, ha. So here, here we are today, waking ha. me up out of a beauty sleep. Ha. Who's the asshole who changed the show? For Pete's sake, <laughs> whoever's responsible. I swear. Well, uh, what I have learned this week is that I'm just not paying anybody enough money, right? That's what I've learned this week. Uh, but we'll see how 2020 goes for uh, for the Anakin Florian podcast. But, Ray, I'm glad that uh, you're awake now because we have so many things that, that we need to get to with you. But I do want to start with Billy Q because for Billy Quarantello, if you don't know, submission win over Jacob Kilburn in his UFC debut this weekend. Spent about a week and a half uh, under Longo's roof there in Garden City, New York during this training camp. You know, he was on the Ultimate 
ultimate fighter. He was on Dana White's contender series. And sometimes you wonder, man, is this ever going to happen for the kid? And then he goes out with all sorts of support uh, and just puts on an absolute clinic. He's as conditioned as anybody in that division, I would think. And uh, pretty happy for a good kid there in, uh, in your guy, Billy Q. Yeah, the first off is a couple of things. First off, good kid is the key word. He's really just just a nice kid. And obviously, he just stopped by the gym. He did a little training. So I want to. I don't want to take any credit for that because uh, they did a great job with him in Florida. But, uh, you know, him and Matt Travola have a great relationship. That's the type of shit I really like to see. And it just, you know, it's just good energy when a guy walks in the gym and, you know, he can brighten up a room. He's just he's that nice of a kid. And the same thing with Favola. They're just nice, nice people that are doing well, and I'm really happy for the both of them. But Billy Q, uh, you know, he is a native New Yorker, so we always uh, go the extra mile for those guys. Hey, Ray, uh, did, you, did you see the main event in D.C. this weekend, and uh, what was your take on that stoppage, man? Uh, you know, look, it's... The only thing I'm going to say about that, it's just indecisive. You know what I mean? That That's the confusing yeah. part. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm, right. I think if Dan would have just stopped it, just jumped in and waved his arms off, he made a decision. He thought the shot, you know, was uh, was was a great shot. But uh, he kind of ran in. The other guy, I think he bought into the other guy's bullshit because it was like a walk-away knockout, and the guy turned around. Right. But technically, the fight wasn't over. That, that's where the issue comes in. And then... You know, by the time the guy stands up, the bell rings or he calls it off. There was like, what, four seconds left. So it's a, I think it's a crazy, crazy situation because I, I, I believe uh, Overing was ahead on every card. So, I mean, if Dan just would have waved that guy over and say, hey, the fight, I didn't call the fight. You're not calling the fight. I have to call the fight. I think the guy loses the fight. I don't even think he gets back in time before the bell rings. I mean, why... Why he didn't just, you know, finish it off until the ref pulled him off, I don't know. And I think Dan was just a little indecisive, so it looked, you know, set up some confusion. So, uh, Cody Stamen, I know you and I spoke about this by phone, and Kenny and I touched on it a little bit. Uh, I just think it's got to be really hard when you feel like you've done enough to win a fight as a plus 160 underdog against a guy who's all the rage, as Song Yadong was going in, and, uh, and you feel like the decision's kind of a formality, especially when you get that whole point deduction, and then it goes into the books as a draw. Uh, Stamen seems to be pretty positive out the other side, but uh, I don't know, man. Uh, something's got to give. It just seems like yeah, two of the three yeah, scorecards yeah. sometimes are just people who are taking a piss while the fight's going on. Yeah, the problem is, like, again, the guy uh, unequivocally won that fight, especially with the point deduction. There's no way he loses that fight, but... You know, this is what they have to decide. This, do they want to see a lot of draws? Because now they change the scoring system. And I, I get, like, where they're coming from with it, but this was a case where I say it totally just backfired. And under any rules that that, that fight is, Cody Stamen won that fight. And I don't know if it's because they changed the rules or it just was bad, you know, judging. But I, I don't know. I don't think there's a person alive that doesn't think Cody Stamen won that fight. So, yeah. you know, once again, I think hey, some things are just better left alone. You know what I mean? And I think that might be one of them because I, I don't know how they could give that fight. And, I, and I'm sure it had to be. Well, were they following the new rules? Do we even know that? 
No, it was not the new rules. So I guess you're talking about not being uh, overly liberal with 10 eights. But with the 10 uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think we're all case, confused at this point. Yeah, if that was the case, then the, that there's a problem. But I, I still don't know how he lost the fight, but they got to change something about that. I mean, that, that I mean, was I'm, pretty bad. That kid, oh. that kid won that fight hands down. I'm walking to the octagon to go interview him, and they're like, go back to your seat, go back to your seat, go back to your seat, you know? Because obviously in a majority draw, we're not going to interview both athletes. So, uh, all right, we got a big one coming up this weekend, Ray Longo, UFC 245. I'll get your thoughts on the Bantamweights in a minute because I know for Aljamain Sterling, potentially these results could have some sort of – could play some sort of role on his future. But this title fight between Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington – you know, for me, like, I don't know how you go to the window and bet this fight. I know there there are some people that are convicted on both sides. You know, our handicappers here today, we got one play for Covington, which was Ken Flo. Ian was on Kamaru Usman. I mean, do you have a strong feeling one way or another as to who's going to win this fight this weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards Usman. Uh, that's who I think is going to win the fight. But uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. Covington, you know, he's he's going to come forward. He's not stopping. It's going to be an interesting fight. It's going to. I do believe it'll come down to conditioning, and uh, you know who could hold that pace the longest. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, with Usman on this one. All right, that's a that's a hundred dollar bet for you. By the way, we'll add that's a hundred dollar uh, bet. Yeah, you don't lose. Uh, you just gain. You know how it works. Yeah, you can win, but you can't lose. Yeah, We're here for you, Ray. That's a sweet deal. <laughs> That's the only way I could win is when I can't <laughs> lose. <laughs> All right, before we let you go, do you have any thoughts for us on what could be billed as moving night in the Bantamweight division? you got Jose Aldo moving down against Marlon Marais. I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on at least some of the visuals we've seen on Jose Aldo at 135 pounds. And then, obviously, Piotr Jan, who's right there in the top five with your boy Aljo, um, taking on Uriah Faber. Any thoughts for us on the way out? Man, I'll tell you what, I like... Uh I don't know. This is tricky, man. But, uh, man, Jose Aldo definitely did not look good, but sometimes you can't judge anything by a picture. Uh, but he's going up against uh, – I mean, the only difference is I, I think Marais moved his camp, so he's not with Mark Henry anymore, so maybe the change affects him. He's coming off a loss, so I think this is the best time for Jose Aldo to fight him. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a big undertaking for Jose Aldo at 35 because Marais is huge. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, he had, I don't know. It's going to be a good fight. I don't know. I'm all over the place. But uh, I'm going to go with Marais, and uh, I think Faber's beating Jan. I don't wow. know why. How about that? How about I that? I an idea that Faber's beating him. So. 100- Hundred bucks on, on Faber returns you three hundred and twenty five dollars. We don't we don't give out those odds to you. We're not giving you plus three twenty five <laughs> today. But uh, hey, how Jenny how how Jenny Nadell do on Friday night? Oh man, Jenny Nadell brought the house down. Are you kidding? Really? That was a great fight for us. She retained the title. Probably going to be her uh, last fight. We'll see. But uh, you know, to, to fight at the Garden like that was a big thing for her, and it was a great night for uh, everybody. We had a. Uh, Another amateur who, you know, he sparred with all the pros, this kid Anthony Delemi, uh, for their fights, and he just uh, took his guy out in the first round. So they both did a fantastic job. But obviously, uh, you know, uh, Jenny, you know, I think she's 41. She did she did great. I think she landed 
12 front kicks to the girl's face. It was, uh, was wow. a pretty cool night. So it was Anthony great, but they both did good. Delemi. Shout out to Jenny Nadell and Anthony Delemi. They crushed it. Anthony fucking Delemi. So Jenny Nadell wins this supposed retirement <laughs> fight. Ray Longo crying, Anthony, crying in the corner? Anthony no? fucking Delemi. That's him. I think <laughs> you know Delemi. him, man. Yeah, man. I fucking know Anthony Delemi. You kidding me? <laughs> guy fucking Delemi. Hey, hey. Wait, can uh, we do it, a scene and me and you do like a scene in Little Italy like you did with the other guy in Boston? We can do whatever you want. What's funny is Ken Flo's so humble that he's probably got the best acting chops and accents of anybody in the bunch, and he just sits there like he can't do Al Pacino and Heat better than fucking any human being on the goddamn planet. Hey, still my favorite, Kenny. Still my favorite. Ken Flo and Hanato Baranja, you kidding me? Hey, Ray, Jenny Nadell wins this supposed retirement fight. Are you crying in the corner? A little emotions, I would think, if this is the uh, retirement fight. Well, we're not sure if it's the retirement fight, so oh. I hold back my tears. I got you. But, I hold uh, back those tears. Save them for this again, weekend she, when Colby Covington special, ruins special everybody's special place life. in my heart because uh, <laughs> she was right back in the gym working me out the next day, so everything's good. Good, man. All right. Well, uh, TJ has told me that in 2020, you're going to be on video every week. So, uh Woo! So let's, you know, let's answer the phone <laughs> call. Let's just get focused here as get we hit the hair our ready, year. okay? Right. Oh man, I'm uh, I'm uh, greasing up the hair right now as we speak. <laughs> I, I fully expect uh, a shirtless Ray Longo with a big gold yes. chain, something like that. <laughs> yeah, Aljo's chain. There we go. We'll, we don't want to. We want to gain. We want to gain viewers, not lose them. TJ. Well, Let's hope yeah, we can yeah. see the gold chain through all the chest hair. That's right. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, uh, go back to bed. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. Thanks for your time. All right. Take it easy, guys. He is the greatest. Is he not? Is he not the greatest? Raymond Peter Longo every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. All right. Before we go, Ken Flo, Frankie Edgar was to fight Corey Sandhagen. Co-main event January 25, Raleigh, North Carolina. Brian Ortega partially torn ACL out of his main event December 21st against the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. As many of you know, Edgar at one point was signed to fight the Korean zombie. So now gets about two and a half weeks or so and uh, a pre-Christmas trip to South Korea for the future Hall of Famer Frankie Edgar as he moves back up so to speak to 145 pounds for uh, a five round main event what do you think what a beast Uh, listen um, that's not an easy fight for Frankie Edgar and of course he was getting ready for Sanhagen at 135 pounds Uh, the rumor is that he's still going to take that fight as of right now I I have my doubts but um, you know, it's going to be a tough turnaround, especially when you fight someone like a Korean zombie. Uh, you know, you're in for a, a freaking fight, man. And that kid can crack. Oh, he's man. Be very big at that. But we've seen Frankie take on bigger guys before and take them down uh, literally in a variety of ways. Um, so it's a fascinating fight. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, traveling to Asia uh, on short notice is yeah. it's tough for any fighter to deal with. But. When you're talking about Frank Edgar, this guy has seen it and done it. Um, I'm looking forward to this one, man. This is a, this is a really interesting fight, man, and, and it's a tough one for both guys. Um, you know, I, I know when when we heard that Brian Ortega uh, was injured, I know Ryan Hall was interested. He put his name in the hat as as a possible replacement. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, Frankie Edgar, being the name that he is and seeing what he's accomplished in this sport, uh, I think it, that's going to be a great fight, man. Imagine you try to fight Ryan Hall on a couple weeks ago. I mean, even the Korean zombie who pound for pound might be the toughest motherfucker on the roster next yeah. to, to Game Bread, of course. Yeah. 
I mean, we, you don't fight Ryan Hall on two. That's the one guy you don't fight on two. With respect to Team Hall, Ken Flo, I mean, let's keep it real here. Jesus Christ, no thank you. I mean, Calvin Cater, I guess, if I have to, Cater also put his name in the hat. But, man, need a little time to prepare for whatever the hell Ryan Hall's trying to do to your lower <laughs> limbs. And Jesus Christ. Um, all right. We got to get on out of here. Thanks to everyone out there. Thank you for listening, for subscribing to the new YouTube channel. Uh, that video should be worldwide every week now. If it's not, play it in your country. Let me know. And, uh see what i can do about it we are going to be right back quick turn on monday morning we will recap the biggest card of the year ufc 245 and also get you picks for that card we just mentioned ufc fight night edgar versus the korean zombie that is early december 21 from busan south korea fucking longo sending me pictures of jenny nadell right now it's like i'm hosting podcast you already fucked up my whole rotation today for Ken Flo, for Longo, for the Duck, DeSantis, John Anik saying so long for now. Enjoy the pay-per-view this weekend. JohnAnik.com if you want to support our MMA charity challenge. We'll talk to you in about five days. Until then, enjoy the hell out of UFC 245. We'll talk to you next Monday. Yo fucking later. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.